Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuckenders? Is that how you say it? Michiganders? Michiganders? What the fuckanders? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, Ricans? Okay, that's it. That's all. How are you? Mark Marin here. It is Thursday. Today is Molly Shannon Day. Today, Molly Shannon is on the show for the second time. Uh, I I couldn't be more excited. I, it, uh, we had a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. All right, let's do this now before I forget. Let's, let's do the plugs because I want people to come to the shows. Tomorrow night, that is the 23rd and 24th. Is that right? The 23rd and 24th, I'll be in Bloomington, Indiana. Please come. I know there's basketball, but there's also me. I know basketball is important to people in Indiana, but there's but there's Mark Marin. And I'm saying that with, you know, I'm, I'm obviously not serious, but I, I, I couldn't be possibly be more important to basket than basketball to a lot of people up there. But but come out. You got it. I know the game's Friday night. You got uh, first show Friday and you got the two shows Saturday and you got a second show Friday for non-basketball people. What else we got coming up? I, I want to make sure to do this. On the 27th, we have a live WTF with Retta from uh, Parks and Rec. We got Brent Brent Weinbach, we got Roy Scoville, uh, we got Ron Funches, we got Eddie Pepitone, Jimmy Earl. That's the 27th at the Tiffany Theater. And you can get all these uh, links at WTFPod.com. 29th, this is important. This is going to be a great show at the Ice House in Pasadena, L.A. People. Me headlining and then Maria Bamford and Eddie Pepitone featuring for me at the Ice House on March 29th. Please come out to that. And moving on into April, the first week in April, the Comedy Works in Denver. Great club. That's April 6th and 7th. Four shows. Go to WTFPod.com for links to all of these. Okay, I did it. I plugged me. What else? Big news. Am I gonna just am I gonna am I gonna just say it? Can I say it? Can I can I say what's happened for me? Can I share that with you in a nice way? I just uh, got back from New York. I was there last night at the Upfront presentations for IFC, who I will be doing a show with next year. Uh, we've got a straight-to-series deal to do uh, 10 episodes of a Mark Marin show. It's not called anything yet. We're going with Marin right now because that's what everyone calls me, Marin. Could be the Mark Marin show. We uh, The title's not important. What's important is the deal is done. It's going to happen. It's going to be in the third quarter of next year, so that's next fall. We're going to make 10 episodes, scripted show, single camera about my life. And that's that's what's happening. And I'm excited. Uh, my excitement is tempered with m- me. I, I can't just be excited. I, I couldn't be happier. I really didn't think that this opportunity would happen for me. Yeah, This is something that we all work towards. On some level, even when we say we don't want to, when you get into comedy, there's part of you that thinks, I'd like to have a TV show about me. And I had really put that on the shelf. I didn't think it was going to happen. I'd let that go. I was content with working in my garage and writing things and doing stand-up. I don't know. You know what? Content is, that's that's not true. But I'm, I'm okay, and I'm thrilled to be me right now on some level. Listen, I can't even say I'm fucking happy. Because it doesn't last long with me, and it's unfortunate. I don't think I show the right amount of gratitude. 
I'm excited. I'm going to do a TV show. I'm excited to be working with other people. I'm going to write the show with some guys. I'm going to act with people. There's going to be directors involved, lights, camera, action. I'm, I couldn't be more excited. I didn't think that was going to happen. I've had other opportunities in the past that didn't really manifest, didn't pan out, and this is going to happen. And, I, and I'm, uh, I'm very grateful to IFC for, uh, for taking the chance. It's all based on that pilot I shot a while ago. Those of you who have been uh, listening for a while know I did that pilot presentation, and the upfronts were great. Yeah, it was a big show for the IFC people, for the advertisers. Scott Ackerman, he uh, hosted it. His, his show got picked up. Comedy Bang Bang is going to be on IFC as well. Uh, Kurt Braunohler, his show, uh, the game show, Bunk, is going to be on. So they did a thing, and Fred Armisen and Kerry Brownstein were there. It was all, uh, I felt like I was in show business. It was uh, very, uh, very exciting. And that excitement was, uh, that lasted me about four hours. That's not true. It lasted me till the next morning, this morning or yesterday morning, when I uh, got to the airport and I just wanted to have coffee. And then I got in line for coffee. And then I got into that mode where, so are you fucking kidding me? The, the woman at the counter, she didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be there. The people in front of me didn't seem to know how to order. So that just, and, I, and then I kept saying to myself, dude, you just, you know what, man, shut the fuck up. Have some fucking gratitude. Humble yourself, you asshole. You finished your book. You turned it in. That process going to start, the editing process. You just signed a deal for a show, your own show. Just, you know, can't you just be in that and not worry about getting your coffee? Can't you? This is what I said to myself. And then I said back to myself, Dude, I, I need coffee. I know, but just fucking relax. You'll get your coffee. Why don't you shut the fuck up? Can't you know that things are going all, all right for you? What does that got to do with coffee? And that's a negotiation I went through. And I got on the plane. I'm like, I'm going to be happy. Things are going to be okay. I have a lot to be grateful for. And that was until I lost my brand new headphones. That fucking killed me. I just bought these headphones, $60, not much, skull candy, but I could talk on the phone on these headphones. Don't know what happened to them. Went back on the plane to look for them. Thought I put them on my back. I have no fucking idea what happened to these headphones. And it just polluted everything about my day. I should know better. I can let that shit go. Come on, man, just buy new headphones. But it was, it was, I bought them the day before. It was as if I bought the headphones and then just threw them directly into the garbage. Didn't even put him in my fucking head. I did, but it doesn't matter. I have no idea what happened to them. Now I'm gonna have to. Now I have to angrily go buy headphones. Have you ever done that? I can't tell you how many times I've done that in my life, where I bought something that didn't work out, or I bought something that I lost, and then I had to angrily go buy the exact same thing. I've bought many pairs of shoes like that. I've had three or four of the same kinds of shoes because I insisted that they would work for me. I think I've talked about that before. So I'm yet to go angrily buy my headphones, and I have to go do that. But I'm very excited about the show, uh, and I wanted to tell you guys, I knew a couple of days before, but I couldn't really say anything because it wasn't official, and I'm thrilled. I, I, I genuinely am excited to work. I'm ready to work. I don't know that I would have been ready to work at any other point in my life, but I'm ready to do this now. I'm about as me as I can be, for better or for worse. And also, I started thinking about, like, man, I don't, I've got to just relax. I, I just got to Relax. Things are okay. I got to take a vacation. I got to stop eating so many nicotine lozenges. I mean, enough already, right? I got to go to the gym. I got to take care of myself. I got to be more giving to people. Stop taking. Enough of the taking. Let's start the giving. That's where it's at, right? The giving. Stop thinking about it. It's all this taking. 
I'm not saying I'm a big taker, but you know, it's, it's very easy to get hung up in that. And this world we live in, just like, what about it? What about it? Where's mine? How come I didn't get any? Where's mine? I got mine. I got a little taste of mine. I got enough mine to feel like I'm me. So I got to give back a little bit. All right. Before we, we talked to Molly Shannon in the garage, I wanted to share with you this story she told on a live WTF which I loved and I'd never talked to it before. And it was a great story. And I don't know how many of you heard it. Maybe some of you have. Now you're going to hear it again uh, because I, I love this story uh, about her and her friend uh, basically running away, but in a big way and not with malice just because they wanted to. I hopped a plane when I was 12. We told my dad, me and my friend, and we're like, we're going to hop a plane to New York. And he was like, uh, he dared us. Yeah. So we How went old to were the, you? We were like 12. Oh, good. That's so we, good. We, we, <laughs> We went to the airport and we had ballet outfits on and we put our hair in buns and we wanted to look really innocent. And this was, again, when flying was really easy. You didn't need your ticket to sure. get through. Did, apparently we, you didn't need an adult either. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, and we told my dad and we were just like, we saw there were two flights. We were either going to go to San Francisco or New York. And we thought, oh, let's go to the New, New York. It's leaving early. So we went. We said to the stewardess, we just want to say goodbye to my sister. Can we go on the plane? And she was like, sure. And then she let us on. And it was a really empty flight because it was out of Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. And we sat back there. And then all of a sudden you just hear like... The plane takes off. <laughs> we were like, <laughs> and we had like little ballet outfits and buns. And I was like, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord's with you. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed art thou when she's holy. Mary, mother God, pray for sinners now. They are. And then the, the stewardess that had given us permission to to go say goodbye to, bye to my sister came by to ask if, if we wanted snacks or beverages and she was like can I get you ladies something to eat she looked like she was like oh <laughs> motherfucker you know so she uh, so we we wondered if we were going to get in trouble but she ended up not telling anyone and then when we landed in New York City she was like bye ladies <laughs> have a nice trip <laughs> I, I just like I'm, it's a, it's such an exciting story, but the irresponsibility of all the adults in this story is somehow undermining my appreciation of it. You were twelve year old girls in fucking ballet outfits, and everybody's sort of like, "Have a good time." What it world was, was that? It was a crazy world. What did you do in New York? And now you're gonna say we got drunk and we went to a. Well, again, because I had a crazy childhood, we called my dad. We were like, "We did it!" And he was like, "Oh, Dad, Molly, oh." Jeez, well, try to... So, basically, he couldn't... <laughs> try to say, what? He didn't know what to do. He said, try to see if you could stay... Go find a hotel that you could stay in. Oh, my God. Me and Mary, my sister, will come meet you. We'll drive there. So, basically, we were like, all right, we'll try to find a hotel. But he was kind of excited because he liked crazy stuff. But, basically, we didn't have that much... We just had our ballet bags and a little bit of cash. So, we went to a diner, and we dined in Dash, and we stole things. We were like little con artists. Wait, did you actually make it to the city? We made it to the city. We How'd just asked people. I was like, how do you get to Rockefeller Center? Because I just seen TV. And you're still in your ballet outfit. Ba ballet outfit, yeah. Really <laughs> no, nobody innocent. said, are you girls lost? Nothing like that? No, nothing. nothing <laughs> they went into a bar, and they got drink up, ladies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we did try to go to hotels, and, and my dad would call and ask, could they just stay there till we get there? And none of the hotels wanted to be responsible. Oh, my God. So he That's was funny. like, he was like, all right, you got to come home. And he was like, but I'm not paying for it, so try to hop on one on the way back. <laughs> so, we, so we tried to hop on many planes, but it was, the flights were all so crowded. Right. So we ended up having to have him pay for it, and he made us 
pay for him, pay, pay it all back with our babysitting money. Oh, the so end. that was the big punishment. <laughs> yeah, that was, there was no punishment. Well, no, I know. Yeah. I mean, clearly, was there any sort of like, oh, you survived? I was just testing you. He loved that kind of stuff. Like I said, he was wild. He used to in his drinking days. He would, you know, go to bars, and if somebody didn't let him in, he'd be like. Damn it! You know he go go into the bar and knock all the glasses down. He was like a kind of guy who could maybe get arrested. Like it was crazy. I love the the the, the sort of uh, the strange nostalgic excitement you have for for, the, for this borderline child abuse. <laughs> I don't know why I chose to do this kind of like weird rec room jukebox floor. These linoleum tiles, if you'll notice. Did you see them down there? Uh, the red yeah. and the gray. Yeah. Like it's like a TGIF or something. But I actually put those in at one point thinking it'd be a great idea. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. <laughs> I think it looks nice. Yeah, but it's sort of like, why would I use those? I don't know. Was I making a rec room, a game room? <laughs> But like I did, I got on my knees and did that to myself. I thought it was a good idea. Was it when you first moved in? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, because sometimes when you first move in, you're too ambitious, you know, and you get like, do you, you want right, to, and you make you know, bad choices. Yeah, you like have to kind of take your time and live in it before you do all that stuff. I just don't know when I'm going to stop making mistakes like that, like like shirts to wear on Conan. Like I, you know, I do, I wear things and then I look like a year later, I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? <laughs> did you just do Conan? I did, and oh, I wore did? like a I lumberjack shirt. <laughs> but I, I really like the shirt. Is this? Do you big... ask people for their opinions before? No, I mean, I, no. I thought it was a good idea. I have four shirts, and I and I it was my new shirt. And then I looked at it on TV. I'm like, you can't even see my face. It's such a loud plaid. <laughs> and I was like, Bleh! and I'm like, what? What? And I just keep doing that. Oh, All right. God. So no, wait. Now let's discuss this car accident you had. Well, it's not really a car accident. Coming <clears throat> over here. Are we being recorded now? Sure. Okay. Molly Shannon is here, by the way. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> Let me take a sip of my coffee. You were late and you came well, in. No, a panicked. little, a few minutes. No, no, I know. Not bad. I, no, it wasn't bad at all. Nice. Oh, the audible slurp is great. <laughs> JustCoffee.coop, by the way, is uh, supplying us with Delicious. our coffee. Thank you. So you side, so you side swiped it. Uh, yeah, very. It was. It was not. It sounded louder than it was, mm. but. Yeah, I was a little nervous because I didn't. I don't know this neighborhood so well. Right. So yeah, so I just slightly sideswiped a car, but I left a little note. Did you leave a note saying, "Hey, I'm Molly Shannon from"? Did you? <laughs> no, I didn't. It? I initialed. Oh. I said, "Look, I, I'm so sorry. I sideswiped your car." <laughs> I said, "Please call me. I'm so happy to repair for any of the damages." Oh. Yeah. Don't you, you always leave? You gotta leave a note. Yeah, no, you do. I don't know when the last time I did that was. Uh, the other night that we had an incident where people get very, like my girlfriend opened the car door into a car next to her oh, in no. a parking lot, and yeah. they just happened to be in the car, oh, no. which is horrible. Horrible. And then there was that moment where she's like, hey, what are you doing? And then, you know, my girlfriend's like, i sorry. And there was an awkwardness. And But what, the cars are built to take that shit. Did you leave a, was it marked? Did you really screw up the car? You know, it really wasn't bad. There was no body damage. It looked like a little bit of chip paint. I think it was more that I, <laughs> I hit the mirror sticking out, so it makes a loud thump, so I, it sounds worse. But it, but you know what? It needs a little sure. bit of a little little chips yeah, of paint. Right. I, that's a, I think that's a good opportunity for you to carry headshots in your car and, and just and do, write the note on that. Sorry, I hit your car. Thanks for everything, Mom. <laughs> okay, Mark, all... I'll do that next time. <laughs> Would that be horrible? That, yeah. I think that'd be hilarious if you got that out of the car, like this weird apology and an autograph. That's funny. Someone now, I was, you. How many kids do you have? Two. I have a boy who's six and a half 
Nolan and mm-hmm. my daughter Stella. Our daughter Stella is eight. And I think it seems to me that you'd be like the uh, the greatest mom in the world. Do you feel that way about your Thanks mom? so much. I really do. I love being a mom. I always <laughs> wanted to be a mom and um and I really feel so fulfilled. I'm so happy. I feel like yeah. I worked really hard in my 20s and 30s and struggling to make it and doing Saturday Night Live and I I really killed myself with work. It was just work, 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 work. Yeah, yeah. And now I really feel like I've created a family and it's I feel like I'm living my dream. This, this is, is all I've dream? ever wanted. Well, you know what? My mom died when I was little, when I was four. Oh, really? So for me, getting to be a mom and do all the things that she was never there for, it just it's very rewarding to me. It makes me feel so happy. Almost like you get, you know, you get to have that experience on the other side of it. You get to provide that experience even though you were denied it. Exactly. There's something about it that just feels so good. Just the simplest little things, just being there for them or dropping them off at school or you know, just little things make me feel really, really happy. So you lost <clears throat> your mom when you were that young? I did, yes. And do you, when, like, because I always wonder about that, because I know somebody uh, who lost their mom when they were very young. Was there, like, do you think that drove you somehow in terms of, like, you know, wanting to get love from other people? Or oh, my of, God, yes. Like feelings of abandonment or maybe? Oh, huge. Really? I think that it, yeah, I think that there's that, like, hole inside of you, and you feel like, you know, it gave me a certain drive in show business to make it. Yeah. And, um, and, I was able to kind of take rejection easily because I felt like, God, what I'd gone through when I was little, this is nothing compared to what I went through, you know, when I was four and a half to the loss. Yeah. So you're kind of like, I remember doing my shows. I I did these comedy shows in Santa Monica and I was performing and, but it always felt like somebody was missing. I had like an anxious feeling like, but somebody's missing. Like it wasn't good enough, but it would drive me and drive me and drive me. And then even when I got Saturday Night Live, I remember like, even at the peak of like SNL when there were... You know, when I didn't have to invite people down to the theater and people would come up to me, I felt like I got I got really depressed because I felt like, oh, no, this doesn't fix it. Like yeah, all yeah, these yeah, people yeah. can come up to you and be like, oh, my God, I love that. Yeah, but yeah. the one person you want to, is not. And But but it actually was like so I thought well, it was kind of freeing in a way because I felt like this doesn't fix it. So don't fool yourself. Right. But it was it felt like a relief in a way that then you could just kind of enjoy being creative and do what you do and do what you love to do, but know that that's not going to, that's not going to fix anything. You know what I mean? Right. There's like, at some point you, as a grown up, you've got to actively acknowledge the grief and, and realize that that's not something that's going to be filled up. No. It's just a loss and you integrate it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So when you started out, like, cause I, I didn't know that the whole trajectory, which is a word I use frequently <laughs> and I've been made fun of because of it, but I just want to put that out there. That I like I, that word. I do too. Yeah. But you start, you didn't start in New York. I was Born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, and I did. Um, I did. My sorry, my throat's a little hoarse. I did. Should I go um, get you water. Maybe I'll get. Do you have tea? You want tea? <laughs> <laughs> Coffee. <laughs> Shall I just have the waitress get it? <laughs> wait, wait. Five no, I'm minutes. Just worried. I'm a little hoarse. Yeah. I well, you know what? I'll just have the coffee. Don't worry. I can get um, you a water. Okay. You want me to do that? Sounds good. But okay, Cleveland, Ohio. Now, before we go any further, I was just in Cleveland. You, you were? St- yeah. Do you still have family there? I do have cousins and um, some aunts. So that that city's taken quite a hit, and it's kind of an interesting place. There's a couple of good restaurants in the, that 4th Street area. I can't believe you were there. I, I haven't been there in a while, though. Since my dad died, I don't go as much. When did he pass away? He, 2002. Oh. Yeah. And you, I guess you grew up with him mostly. I did, yeah. He raised me from the time I was four and a half. 
yeah, Catholic, me and my right? Sister, Catholic, I, I know. Yeah. I know. We talk, I know you've been on a live show, and I, I'm kind of obsessed with Catholic. Are you? A little. Wow. What are you doing with your kids now? Are you? What are you laying on them in the God department? Anything um, yet? Well, I stopped going to church when I was in college, and I'm spiritual. College. Yeah, oh my college. God, you waited that long. I waited that long. Yeah, I was really like a good little Catholic girl. But um, was hell real to you? Um, I don't know if I asked you that before. No, I don't. I know. No, I didn't really believe that. I thought oh, this is kind of silly that I have to go to these confess my sins to these men. But um, I did pray a lot, and um, uh, let me see. But then in college, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to go to church. So I just. So I think um, uh, with our kids, we kind of um, no, they're not going to be brought up catholic are you waiting it out until they ask questions about god because i don't remember anyone telling me anyone actually giving me any sense of belief or that it was important i don't remember anyone saying there's a god you know not from a parental level but you know because of that it doesn't i don't really care one way or the other but but i just wonder when a parent does that conversation I know you really should start when they're young because they do kind of ask about that. But, they do, but I think it's okay for them to hear two different sides. Like I believe that mommy believes this and daddy believes this, and kind of let them formulate their own. Sure, confused you know? children are always good. It's <laughs> yeah. good, good to have them being questioning things and not have a, a real you know, sense of what's going to happen. <laughs> no, I would just say we don't. Um, do you have different beliefs from your husband in um, general? Yes, I think I believe in God and. Yeah. He doesn't, yeah. you know, but I think he believes in something higher than himself. Okay. I think, you know, so you can meet but I don't think he would call it God. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so you have, you're Catholic and you had a lot of cousins and big family or what? Um, no, it was really just my dad, my sister and I, just okay. the three of us. Oh, but there wasn't some weird kind of extended Catholic, you know, a bunch of people, no? Not at all. Okay. No, all no, right. just the three of us. Okay. Yeah. And now uh, in terms of that... So I know you pitched a show to HBO about the nun thing. Is oh, that happening? Yeah, I know they passed on that. Oh. I know. But I'm going to do another show for HBO. What? My friend Mike White created the show Enlightened, like so I'm going to do a, I'm going to do that show. The, this the Lord, next the, season. The, the Dern show? Yeah. Or, oh. Yeah. I'm so excited. You, you always seem to keep working. Oh, even. that's nice, Mark. Thanks. I mean, you I mean, you always show up everywhere. You're like, hey, there's Molly Shannon in my house. That was oh. today. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, she's here. <laughs> Thanks. Well, I feel really grateful. I think I worked really hard for that. So. All right. So how do you get from Cleveland to SNL? Cleveland to SNL. Let's see. Well, I was, my dad, I grew up, my dad loved theater. He he loved movies and he loved theater. He really would have liked to have been an actor himself. Yeah. But he didn't have the confidence. So I think he really wanted me to do that. And so we would watch, he loved Judy Garland and musicals and movies. And, you know, he was a really good dresser. He was kind of preppy and charismatic. He drank. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's yeah. an alcoholic. Yeah. But then got sober. Oh, he did? Yeah. For how long was he sober? Well, he was sober till his like, death. I mean, when did he get sober? How when old? I was like 16 or 15, but he would s- struggle with it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, so we were really affected by that. But fun drunk? Fun drunk? Uh, yeah. Mm, no, I, it's hard when you're little. You know, when you when it's the only person you're relying on, it's scary. You did, know? You, did you go through uh, that whole, did you do any <clears throat> recovery around that yourself? Yes. Oh, you did? Yeah. You did the adult child of alcoholic mm-hmm. thing? And the, um, I remember going to a meeting when I was little, like my dad went to AA and I went to a meeting. Uh-huh. And, but it was all like 50-year-old <laughs> women and me and I was like 13. And I was like, this is so strange. But I like listening to their stories. Yeah. But then, yes, I have been involved in that. The, yeah, Alateen, you never did Alateen? No, I never did Alateen. It might not have been around then i feel like it's new i know but it's great that they they have what, that. Now, just out of curiosity because like i i you know not to necessarily talk about recovery but 
what were the what were like the things that you that you think about your personality that were directly in relation to to growing up with an alcoholic um, like how did it affect you directly that, that you couldn't seem to help or did you find yourself like a control or like uh you needed order like what, what was it um weird question no that's not a weird question at all um i think i felt like it was hard to enjoy myself you know you feel kind of like a little adult oh, right. because like if we would go to parties i would worry my sister and i would worry we would count drinks oh, oh, we right. would go take sips of his drink you yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. and um we would so just, he wouldn't drink it um you would go take sips of his well, we would, maybe he would disguise it because he knew we'd be checking on him really so maybe he'd pretend like it's a coke and then my sister would go take a sip or you know so it was like very disappointing you know right so because you didn't want him to cross that line into like oh no it's embarrassing that it kind was of just thing. yeah it was embarrassing and you feel abandoned you feel like you're right. just alone kind of yeah and then it's scary on the way home it feels scary you yeah, know yeah, oh, and yeah, so he's driving yeah so that felt <laughs> oh, no. yeah I don't, I don't even know where to begin so we were yeah so you just felt kind of anxious yeah and i remember i still love coffee to this day because i remember at parties there would be drinking, 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 but then I remember I love the smell of coffee. Like when they put on coffee, I was like, coffee! Yeah, Because yeah. it meant like, oh good, please drink a cup of coffee. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. it just made me really happy if I yeah. saw him having coffee because right, then that would right. be the end of it. Right, you know? right. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. to this day, I, lo- I love coffee. Oh, that's great. I love the smell of coffee. I like people who offer me coffee. I love everything about it. So like, you know? but in a deeper way, like some way, the smell of coffee triggers the idea that like, well, oh, we might make it home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, daddy won't be weird. And I remember, like, I went to to um, but but again, I don't want to give the wrong idea because yeah. I know you're a recovering yeah, yeah, yeah. addict. Yeah. Um, you know, people think, oh, as if they're drunk all the time. No, look, right. he was a very he raised two kids by himself. My mom died when I was four and a half, mm. so it was hard on him. He was a single dad with he's left with a four year old yeah, and a yeah. six year old. My my little sister Katie was also killed, and my mom killed in that in car accident. accident. Oh, it was when an he was yeah. driving. He was and driving. He was driving. Oh, my God. Yeah. And we were... Was he drunk then? Well, you know, I no, mean, yeah. you know, um, he, he they were at a party. He claims he took a nap or that he, you know, Ugh. I don't want to go too into okay. it. It's so yeah. dark. But, yeah. Like, I guess, um, but let me see. Yeah, we were all in the car and yeah. he had taken a nap. You were but, in the car too. Yeah. You know, we were in the back. It was a station wagon and, you know, it was late at night and he was going to drop my cousin off and, you know, my aunt let... our cousin Fran go with us too and you know um, my dad and I talked about it later he's like you know I uh, he 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 had he I think he would have liked my mom to drive but she was like no you can drive and you know I don't know if he nodded off I don't I don't know what happened yeah. but at that time they didn't have breakaway um, lamp posts or light posts so right. he just smashed into it nowadays they'll bend or right, they'll right, break away right. or yeah. so it was just a collision and he was in the my mom was in the front and he was in the front we were my sister and I were in the very back right. of the station wagon so we were bruised up but my cut my baby sister katie and my cousin fran were in the middle so they were killed very sad yeah do you do you have um like memory of it or no i do have a memory of it because we were um you know we went to the hospital and i remember thinking like 
where I think I had a fantasy that they were that they were still alive. Like I'm like, oh, Katie must be. My sister and I were in beds next to one another in the hospital, and because she was, I was four and she was six. Developmentally, there's such a big difference between a six year old understanding what's going on and a four year old. I was really out of it, like in fantasy, like yeah. oh, they must be somewhere else up there yeah, on a yeah. different floor. And my sister kind of knew what had happened and kind of had to answer questions and you know yeah, yeah. talk to people because she was like the you know yeah. one that was was the most with it. And um, so basically, I remember thinking, oh, I want to go see Katie. I really wanted to see my baby sister because I thought she must be with the other babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So immediately, I I was kind of like perky. Like there were a lot of kids with like that were on our floor and I was like helping them. They didn't have parents coming to visit them. So I helped those kids. I remember feeling like playing with them and helping them. And I think that's instantly where I went to. And then there were all these people bringing us toys and stuff. And I was like, why are all these people bringing us toys? Like relatives bringing us toys. Oh. And, and then I was like, I, I said, I really want to go see my mom and my sister, you know, now, you know, yeah. I think I knew my dad. Like You're I probably in shock. I mean, in- no, I was like, I thought, I assume they were alive. Oh, right. So I, I, I was like in a, oh, I want to go see them now. So I finally put on my robe and like wanted to go see them. And they were like, oh, we're so sorry. I think like an aunt told me or something, we're so sorry, but they've, they've gone to heaven. And I was like, what? I was like, heaven, well, can we get there? You know? Yeah, right. Could we, could we fly there or take a hot air balloon? Yeah. Or could we, could, we, could we take an airplane? Or could we, you know, yeah. I, I just couldn't accept the fact that we couldn't get there, you right. know? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so I kind of kept that on for a long time. It's very complicated, but I think there's no way that you can, like, take that in. It would just, like, annihilate you when you're that little. Of course. So you just kind of go into some fantasy waiting, and and did, did you and did it like did it hit you gradually or I mean how does that like I guess on some level to be that young it was sort of it was better uh, to to deal with a situation like that because you weren't fully emotionally you, you know capable of wrapping your brain around it for a while I would imagine yeah let me see I think what it was too and, and then in in the night I was like I want my mommy because yeah, I had yeah. learned how to not you know use the bathroom at night and I remember she nobody came and I was just like Ugh. I just God. remember feeling so like deflated like. Ugh. No, we were in this weird hospital and it was just scary. And they did tests like, are the lights on and the lights off and touching us? And I just, it was frightening, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, and then, but I, I think, um, but your question is, yeah, you don't deal with it and it comes up later in right, life. Like, right. for me, I mean, I'm sure everybody has a different, but from my age, I think it didn't come up through, through then dating and falling in love right, the, and kind of begin getting close to someone did you have the came en- up later did you have the envy of people who had moms that thing or the <clears> anger <throat> i was so close to my dad so i didn't really feel that uh, way so but i remember like if a teacher put her arm on me yeah. i was like oh my god like i felt like wow that feels so good like it yeah. made me feel really shy yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think for teachers like in third grade i didn't want to get too close so i would act really bad just so that i could be in control right of, right you know i didn't want them to be disappointed in me yeah i was like i could act bad so that way i'm in charge and that's does that make sense because i because i think when you're that little you feel like you must have done something wrong to make them leave right like it, you're yeah, too yeah, yeah. self-centered so you think 
you think you must have done something wrong, you know? But that's interesting because that, that disposition is really the, uh, the beginning of a performer's disposition. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Make them come back. Yeah, yeah. And right, so when you ask that about performing, I'm like, it gave, it was the drive to like entertain yeah, and, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, make her come back, yeah. you know? It's amazing how like easily it seemed like when you were just like, you know, doing uh, yourself as a, as a four year old that you, yeah. like emotionally it's pretty easy to access. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's sad though. Like when I yeah. really think about it, I'm like, it is so sad, you know? But the, the thing about it is that it gives you like, I think when you go through that, when you're so young, you have a, I have a different take on everything. Like, I feel like so lucky, you know, like I feel like I don't take things for granted at all, mm. you know, because I, because I feel like, oh my God, I, I pulled myself up out of the wreckage and I, I created a life for myself and now I'm a mom and I have children and I, you know, I got help for myself so that I could, you know, start my own family. And it's a, a miracle, you know, yeah, like definitely. my sister and I talk about it. We feel really lucky that we, you know, because it, it might not have gone that way, you know? Yeah. And you're close to your sister. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So when did this, uh, th- did you start to realize that he wanted you to be a performer? Because let me see. Um, we would do St. Patrick's Day shows, yeah. and um, he was like, get in the front row, Molly. That's my Molly. You know, we'd sing like G-A-L-L-A-G-A-G-R, spells Gallagher. We'd do Irish songs. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and we'd wear costumes, and I, I liked it myself. We yeah. have these choreographers that would come before St. Patrick's Day, Miss Patty and Miss Jackie. They were sisters, mm-hmm. and they wore, you know, red spandex pants, and they would teach us a routine. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yes, I live for Miss Patty and Miss Jackie to come. And so... And my dad was so proud of me, and I really liked it myself. But I remember St. Patrick's Day was like a day he would really like get loaded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh no. <laughs> so by the by the time we do the show, I could tell by the way he would wave, like yeah. how much he'd had to drink. Oh no! Like yeah, Molly. Yeah, yeah. So I would be like, don't you can't come into the classroom after. Like most of the parents were allowed to come in and pick oh, up the kids, no, and I was yeah. like, do not come in. You know, I'll come pick you up. Yeah. So with all that control. But he was still excited, right? He oh had... my God, he was so proud of me. Yeah, yeah. So I think he was just so. You know, he struggled. He had his own demons and he really struggled, but he was also like very loving and he would really listen to my stories. And so he, it was complicated. It was both, mm-hmm. you know, it was And did you do theater in, uh, in, in high school and stuff? Did I you? did. I did theater. I did. Um, so I did those St. Patrick's Day shows and I knew I really love acting. Were you singing too? Singing. Um, yeah, I sang. And then in high school I did musicals, but I was a little embarrassed to admit that I really wanted to be an actor. But then once I did, I was I felt really relieved, and then I started applying to drama schools. And my dad was just so supportive, and I went to NYU Drama School. Okay. But I was always wanting to put on shows, and you know, um, do play, make up plays, play house. You know, always like living in an imaginary life, whether it was through Barbie dolls or, you know, playing house yeah, or yeah, yeah. convent or whatever. It was yeah. always making up characters. Yeah, and yeah, games. yeah. So NYU, that I mean, that's like a real deal, kind of. Yeah. Like, were you ever? What, what What was your? Were you sort of on a career? path or were you experimental i mean because you're in new york were you ever did you do any like ridiculous theater um ridiculous i i didn't do the experimental i really wanted to make it i was really driven so you're and career I wanted, driven, career driven. Yeah. but i loved so i was at, there was the experimental wing i was in circle in the square and we did yet a bot lots of body exercises and <laughs> you know scenes and i was a very serious dramatic actress mm-hmm. but then i remember they had auditions for this comedy show and i felt like god i like this more because it just felt like it came really natural to me and you didn't you didn't have to do all the sense memory and you know right right you just but had I had funny. a yeah but I had a very dramatic approach to my comedy I would say but you're naturally funny so I mean that's a that's not that's a gift so it wasn't like you weren't like some dry actor coming to stand like when was the moment where you realized <clears> like <throat> holy shit I'm funny 
I mean, there had to be a moment where, because that's a real buzz. Yeah, that's a real buzz. I was at a, my friend's house yesterday. I had a lot of sleepovers, and I was at my friend Amy Wall's house, and she had a lot of sisters. Yeah. And the mother was like, we're going to make chicken cacciatore for dinner, Molly. And in my head, I was like, I knew I was going to make a little joke, and I was like, I'll have a chicken, but I don't want any cacciatore. I was little, and they all laughed, and I remember like, I like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not like, but, um, but I would say... I wasn't like telling jokes. I was just intense, you know? Right. We are intense. Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to keep up. Okay. But all right. So you graduate NYU. Yeah. I thought, well, let me give it, I'll give, I'll give New York City a year and then see what happens. For stage work primarily? Or were you thinking like theater? I really wanted to be on TV. There wasn't a lot in New York, was there? You know what it was? I did this stage show with Adam Sandler. It was like a comedy review show. And everybody in campus saw it, and they were like, you should be on Saturday Night Live. Wait, so he was at NYU with you? He was at NYU with me, yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. So that's a big part of the story. He was at NYU, yeah. And you guys still friends? We're still friends, yes. Yeah? He's great. What was he like in college? I mean, was he- Such a hard worker, so focused. He was just the kind of kid who- was already very famous on campus. He was doing stand-up in the dorms. He would go at night and perform and do stand-up. He was just very driven. And was he funny? So, uh, very funny and sweet, quiet. Um, you know, in our comedy show, the director, because there were like five of us in it, she mm-hmm. was like, oh, you should take Adam out you know, for coffee. And he seems oh, a little really? shy. And I was like, I don't think Adam needs any help from me. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, people really loved him. And he was just, just doing stand-up all over the place and just, yeah, very driven. And what was the show you guys did together? We did a review show where we, we made fun of the teachers. And um, I did... Mary Catherine Gallagher, I created the character of Mary Catherine Gallagher in that show, and then I ended up bringing that to SNL. But it was from that stage show that people were like, you, you should do comedy. But I never thought of myself that way. I, I always thought of myself as a very straight, serious actress. Yeah. So it was really more that people told me. And then I thought, okay, maybe I could you know, try for that or try to get on Saturday Night Live. Um, so... So then I thought, let me go to L.A., and my friend Gene Pack and I came out here together not knowing anybody, and I thought, let's, we thought we'll create a stage show yeah. and do characters and maybe try to get people to see us that way, and, right. but I was thinking about Saturday Night Live after oh, NYU. Oh, really? Yeah. And, but, so why'd you come out here? Because it's such a, it, it's like such a crapshoot out here. Mm. I mean, like, it's so easy to get lost. Did you? I mean, it's, you did you did a lot of episodic work pretty quickly, though, no? No, not so quickly. No. I worked. I worked in restaurants for a long time, and, you know was broke and had to rent a wreck. You know, I didn't have much money. Um, you rented a wreck? I had, to, I had no money. I would take cash advances on my credit card. I didn't have a car. I just would, I, you know, they I know, have rent a wreck. Yeah, I remember those. Did you those. Ever do that? Yeah, yeah. No, it was, yeah, I remember that. But I don't think they exist anymore, do they? Yeah, they do still they do? exist. Yeah, I, saw, I just saw one in... Because I did it Bundy. once, and it was really a wreck. I a mean, wreck, like, they break yeah, down. Yeah, they're the worst cars in the world. Worse. <laughs> so, um, no, I, I didn't know anyone. I would, I would, so lonely out here sometimes. So lonely. I remember I would, before I had a car, I would just, I came out here one summer and lived at USC and and um, didn't even have a car. I would take the bus to Sunset Boulevard. Oh my God, taking the and bus And pass my headshots to agent's office, like just slip it under the door like that. That's how I started. Oh, that's, like, the, why is <laughs> that's it? That's crazy. Like, that's the most heartbreaking thing you said to me. For some, oh my God. Just this idea of taking a bus in Los Angeles. Can and you then imagine? Going into these big buildings to slide your headshot on uh, did anything ever happen? From I that? did. I got Gary Coleman's agent sign me, and I was like, "I'm gonna make it." <laughs> He's got me and Gary Coleman, <laughs> and a bunch of like prostitutes slash actresses, <laughs> and um, 
he got me nothing other than like a hair show in Marina Del Rey. Oh, no. And he would have me come to his house and do like scene study where he would try to unbutton my shirt. And, no. Yeah. And he Classic. paid for he paid for my headshots, which we did in his hot tub. No. And I was in a bathing Is suit. Is that real? Yes. Yes. Did you meet Gary Coleman? I met I met Gary Coleman. <laughs> they came to New York. We went yeah. Yeah. I met Gary. How long were you with that guy, though, before you realized this is inappropriate and low rent? Well, I've actually told this story on Conan, but he, they came... I don't want to say this guy's name, but the the guy who... The agent and yeah. Gary came to New York, and we had tea at the plaza, and Gary was trying to hold my hand, and... and Gary was, was hitting on you, Gary too? was, yeah. Oh. Gary, too. Yeah. And so Gary asked me to come into the hotel room, and he attacked me. I mean, a full-on... On. I'm Gary Coleman says, attacked Yeah, you? attacked me jumped on me, I had to throw him off of me, jumped on me again, bounced on the bed and wrapped himself around me. I had to like fling him off of me. I mean, it was like an attack. Yeah. My hair, it was, and then I had to lock myself in the bathroom and he was like, I see you. Oh no. It was awful. Oh God. But anyhow, the, um. But you, like it's, it, it's, there's such a comedic element to it. It's hard to sort of press charges or anything else. I mean, for that story. It was the craziest. Yeah. I would, my friends were like, what? Did you Dude. laugh at any point? Or? Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, because while I was in the middle of it, I'm like, I cannot wait to tell this story. But it was also like scary. Like, yeah. But he was little, so I could yeah. kind of fling fling him sure, around. Exactly. But um. And you told that on Conan. W- I did. Was Gary alive then or no? He was alive. Yeah, because it's did, a true story. You know? yeah, right. Did he, nothing ever happened. Oh, didn't no. he pass away? Or he I'm, did. Yeah. He passed away. Yeah. Oh God, nothing ever happened. He didn't call you out on it. No. Well, he knows that that happened. You know, he told me I reminded him of Kimberly from from Different Strokes, and I was like, really? Yeah. You know, I was a young actress. <laughs> But anyhow, that agent, um, when we would do, when, when I would go to his house to practice scenes and he would unbutton my shirt, I had just, I was fresh from NYU drama school and I was really into taking risks yeah, yeah, and I'd yeah. be like, yeah, unbutton my shirt, come on. Yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah, kind of yeah, wanting yeah, to go for it. Yeah. But then I was like, this seems kind of sleazy. Yeah, right house, but then yeah. he would like take me and the prostitutes out for, di- he represented <laughs> some like, like they were whores. Yeah. Porno stars <laughs> yeah, or just yeah. whores? They were like, I, I don't really Escorts know, but they or, yeah. lived at his house uh-huh. and he would you know, get their headshots done. God, you dove right into the I worst part dove, of Hollywood. Yeah, I dove right in. And I remember the only thing he got me was like a hair show. Did he and, offer you Coke and everything? No, no. No, no drugs. That's all right. No drugs. But he got me a hair show in mm. Marina Del Rey. And then mm. we all went How'd out to go? like Cheesecake Factory after, after dinner. Boy, you'd arrived. Yeah, you I'd arrived. You'd Cheesecake Factory <laughs> after a hair show. That's <laughs> a, that was your dream, I think. Right? I know. It's like, I've made it. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, why would Gary Coleman react to that? That was the first time you telling me that is the only time I could ever even picture him being a sexual person. Even if it was inappropriate, he probably thought like, yeah, I did that. Oh, my God. He was a mo- he was a wild man. Oh, God. That's yeah, hilarious. Girl crazy. Yeah. So how long before? I mean, were there moments during this process where you like, I'm, this is not going well. I got to oh, get the fuck yeah, out of here. This is. Yes. There were there were moments and I would. But then I. um I think I, then I got with another agent that kind of got me some auditions. And Did that agent say like, oh my God, what are you doing with that guy? I mean, like, was it one of those moments where it's like, you should be, why are you with that loser? With, you mean that, that particular agent. agent? Yeah. No, they didn't say that. I no. don't, because that guy had a, you know, he did have Gary. Gary. Coleman. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. Um, so, no, but then I, I forget, I started to get some commercials and, and uh, I got a part on Twin Peaks and uh, I would have, cool. a, I, my friend would call for me sometimes. We we would, I had a friend who could call and we would kind of get into offices that way. So he helped me. What do you mean call? Like he'd, re- he'd he say would kind he of represent- pretend to be friend. I can't say too much, but he would pretend to be 
friends with this playwright and he would recommend me saying oh. I was part of this theater group in New York and I would get meetings. So oh, my right, friend right. got me right. meetings. Right, oh, that's great. So he kind of got me all my first agents. Oh, that's great. And uh, yeah, and then and then I forget what my first job was, but I started just getting commercials and little jobs. And Do then, you want me to check what your first job was to remind you? Yeah. Um... You've been working a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Phantom of the Opera? Yes. Yeah. You were Meg in Phantom. That was a movie. That a was remake. a movie. I got it. With Robert England and right. Jill Schoen. Yeah. And I made like $3,000 a day. And that was really the beginning where I was like, wow, I got flown on first class to Budapest. And that was a big deal for me. Yeah. Hell yeah. And then slowly I started getting other little things like that where I could eventually quit my waitressing job. But I really struggled for a long time and could not get a break. Well, like, were... I've never done this before, but tell me about General Hospital, surrogate mother number two. Surrogate mother. <laughs> that was, again, a great thing. I got yeah. It was a funny part on General Hospital. Okay. And uh, those parts on soap operas helped me get my SAG card. You did a few of them? Yeah, I did a few. I did one in New York before I came out here. God, so I you wanted... really hammered out the... Uh, you were really hitting the sidewalk with this stuff, huh? Oh, my huh? God. Yeah, that's why I'm like... Yeah, it was the opposite story of somebody where it happens really quickly. I really struggled. And I got SNL when I was 30. Wow. Yeah, so, you know. And you just hammered it out. I mean, you did a lot of episodic stuff. And then, so SNL. But before, but while I was auditioning, I felt like, God, this auditioning isn't really working for me because I would audition for pilots or TV shows. But they were like, oh, they just didn't quite know where to place me. So I started working on a stage show with my friend Rob Muir, mm -hmm. and we created characters, and there were many other people in it, and we would invite people down. Here, you know, this was in LA. In, here in LA, in Santa Monica, yeah. we did it at um, diff different, well, we do it at different theaters around town, and eventually, people started coming to that show, like the head of HBO, Carolyn Strauss, right. and Lori David. Yeah, um, Larry's ex-wife. Yep, and so I started getting better- and She was what, booking Letterman at the time? Or? No, she was- I forget. No, she was a manager representing comedians. She oh, had okay. left Letterman. She was right. living out here. She was at Three Arts. So Lori was like my first big comedy manager. So from that show really is what where things started. And when click. did when did the Lauren uh, uh, event happen? That happened when I was doing my stage show. I got invited to audition for SNL. So they flew me and a bunch of girls, and uh, we got flown there, and we got to do you know five minutes for Lorne. and it in went, the studio. In we did it at Stand Up New York, and they okay. invited an audience, and and um, they were looking for a few people. That was when Janine was on the show, and uh, I think. Yeah. So, um, but I think Janine was going to leave. Right. She got a movie. Right. So they were maybe looking for a few more people. And um, I just did my five minutes or whatever. And then I, and then I heard from other people, oh, I heard you're going to get SNL. And I said, no, I don't think so. And then I did get a call one day and I came in mid season. And you just, the, after one audition, you didn't have to go for the weird meeting in his office? Um, no, it was just after that audition. Wow. Mm -hmm. you know, that, so, like, I'm always fishing for Lauren moments. Do you think he um, he's different with the women on the on the show than he is with the men? Um, in what way? What do you mean? And just in the relationship expectations or or, or anything? Because I've never really. I mean, I've talked to Amy Poehler about it, and she no one's had anything but good things to say about yeah. Lauren. Quite honestly, yeah. And um, but I he's really comfortable with women. Yeah, I think that men have more of a father thing for him sometimes, right? Like a, like a critical right, dominant like, father, whereas girls don't have it as much. He's very comfortable with women. He loves funny women. He's very insightful and deep and analytical. He could size anybody up very quickly. Yeah, yeah. He's really fun to have dinner with. He's he's serious and a d deep thinker, and um, 
he's like the kind of person who, like I would say to people who were going to meet him, I'm like, don't try to be funny. Just, you know, let him talk. Because yeah. if you're like, hey, yeah. he's, he wouldn't like that necessarily. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like such a big deal for comedians to have that moment where they're, you know, meeting with him and it's such a big show that's been around for so long. Well, that was the other thing is that with him is that. His could, dad, his dad died when he was young. Oh, really? He lost his father. Yeah. Yeah, that has a tremendous impact on 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 people, obviously. But yeah. like I've noticed that with e- either with fathers who are absent or or gone, the the kind of drive that comes from that and yeah. the need to prove yourself is pretty profound. It is. Like I'm fascinated with all you know with what he knows and what he's been through and what he's you know what he's created and where he yeah. comes from. Like I'd love to interview him. But um, now when when you did SNL, was Sandler there yet? Yes, he was there when I started. And I started with a whole different group, like Sandler, Spade, um, uh, Farley, and then that whole group kind of left, and then the whole new group came in. So I did half a season with the old group, and then um, some people stayed. David Spade, Norm MacDonald. I think Norm was there when I first started. Nor- yeah. Norman talked a little bit about the difference between um the stand-ups and the actual actors mm-hmm. and sketch performers that he felt that there like there were certain things he could never do just because he was a stand-up and that you know he envied uh, in a way the people that could do characters yeah did you feel that tension or, or was there that that there were some people were stand-up performers and then others were character performers we had so many real character performers during uh, my time but but um yeah I, I heard i heard norm's interview it was great by the way it was kind of wild right yeah it was so cool was sweet i, I it was so sweet it was one of those things where i'm like i don't even know if i can talk to him is it gonna be okay and then oh he, my he just God. was so uh, like self-aware and oh, self-effacing yeah, yeah he's a great guy um so no, I, I didn't. I didn't. I felt like this. No, I, I didn't even. That, that yeah, didn't even, didn't even cross no, your mind. No. What was your crew? The first crew. Who was it? Do you remember? Will Ferrell. So you were there with Will for a while. Yeah, I was there for Will for like six years. Right. Yeah. Was that fun? So fun. I mean, the greatest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the best. <laughs> we used to do a thing where we would just. We wrote a sketch once about these people who'd lost 100 pounds and they were really proud of their weight loss. And the sketch, we, we were out there and the sketch was just tanking. Like, it, nobody's laughing. Yeah, yeah, you could yeah. Hear crickets. But Will and I would do a thing where if the more it tanked, the harder we would commit. Yeah. We would just like pour our heart and body into it. And then we would, because then we would enjoy it. But it kind of felt like it's all the same. Like, whether yeah. you're like sucking yeah. or hitting, you really have to treat it respect, respect both. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, you know, you don't want to just get so addicted to like getting to that so it was really cathartic to kind of do that to bomb it was enthusiastically fun just, yes exactly yeah. to really commit to bombing yeah and embrace it and <laughs> drag yourself on the ground you know, you know what i mean yeah i don't know there's a beauty in it did, was that just something you, you two did will and i did that yes and you, just will and and you I. knew you were doing it you had you we, talked we would about look it? at one we talk about it <laughs> he's talked about it we would look in one another's eyes and we would just it would just felt like i felt so close to him yeah. and it felt like just those are the things those some of those sketches stick in my head more than anything. You the know? ones that were difficult or bombed that were just terrible. <laughs> but we were like, oh, "What are we doing?" And these, you know, yeah. Did, did he uh, like someone had said that he would go out of his way to try to get people to laugh? I think it was Fallon told me that yeah. that he would try oh to God. get people to break. Did he do that to you? Oh yeah, he just got to the point where I couldn't even I couldn't be in a scene with him because I would just start laughing. We would, that's what we would all do. We would just make one another laugh and try to. So so many stuff that I remember. 
right before I left the show, I I did a character who was a bad stand-up comic. Yeah. And I really just did that character to make Jimmy Fallon laugh, Will Ferrell laugh. Like, I did it for my peers. Yeah. And I didn't... I didn't care if the audience didn't get it because it was a weird character. Yeah. It was kind of like, by the end, it was like my reaction. It was this character called Jeannie Darcy. She was like a stand-up comedian who had like Asperger's spectrum. Right, right. Where she had no sense of like people or emotion, but she really stuck with her comedy and uh-huh. working on jokes and material. But the audience didn't really get it at first, but I would just perform for them. They would stand and watch it, and I was only performing for them. It's so funny <laughs> because that's fairly, it, that's not an unusual per- type of person that does stand up. Is that right? No, I, I've, I've grown to believe that you know, there's probably like at least 50% of the comics that, that are working are somewhere on that spectrum. That's that, interesting, <laughs> really. Well, because it takes very self-involved. It takes a very real focus. And yeah. definitely, I've known comics in my life that, that clearly are overcoming tremendous social adversity. Yeah. Uh, in, you know, being up there and yeah. doing it, that they're real. Like, I've, I know there's definitely a couple of... of That's interesting, because I know a lot of comedy writers like that, but I haven't met as many performers. Oh, right, right. Well, they might end up writers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's interesting. So, well, this this character's supposed to be on the, like, if it was a, if it was a you know... Spectrum, she's mm-hmm. on this like severe end, like okay. high levels of. <laughs> well, a lot of those people work because uh, if they're okay with people laughing at them, it's a tremendous relief for audiences to laugh at people that embrace their own sort of difficulty. Yeah. You know, like that. Like, I guess it's okay to laugh, you know, it, yeah. maybe not for the right reason, but. Right. So when when you see the like the crew now, like there, there's this huge resurgence around the women on SNL because of, you know, Kristen yeah. and everything. Is, is it uh. exciting? I mean, do you feel like you were part of uh, de- developing that place in comedy in a way? Well, there were so many wonderful women before me, but I felt like, you know, I started with Sherry and Anna. The three of us kind of came on together. And I remember like there hadn't been, I, I felt like we really, there had been kind of a lull there for a while. So I felt like we really came in and started getting girl pieces on and characters. So yeah, so it felt great. That's such a that those three that like so different, but you know it's so funny. Yeah. Like you, all three, you really have different strengths in terms of how you do comedy. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. So when you were like wanting to do SNL, did you have people in your mind who were your uh, comedic heroes? Um, I was more into like Jack Nicholson or Diane Keaton. I liked uh, more uh, actors, actors, yeah, who could do comedy or just more serious actors. Really? Yeah, yeah I, li- I like John Ritter. I loved his physical comedy. Interesting. But I was more into regular acting. Yeah. Do you know? Do you have you? Uh, met- Bill Murray, though. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Gilda Radner. I would say those from Saturday Night Live. But it seems like your crew really set a standard for women on that show, and it seems like there's. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Do you feel that way? I mean, I-, I do. I felt like we came in, and I remember feeling like well, I-, I just. Yeah, I felt like we really started getting a lot of stuff like you guys on were character rock stars. pieces. You're rock stars in a way. Was there an intense amount of competition with the dudes in a way for for things being written for you and that kind of stuff? No, no, not really. You just really have to write for yourself. You have to kind of write yourself into the show. I think that it was hard for people who thought if you could just who had the understanding, oh, you can just come and get written for. That's not going to happen. Right. And I remember really feeling like, oh my god, it's like a writing job. I didn't really realize that you really have to write yourself in and come up and have material and have characters. So when I first started, I felt like, oh my god, maybe I'm in over my head and you know, all these groundlings people had been working and writing, but I had characters from my show. I just had to kind of figure out how to get them on air. Did you align yourself with a writer over there? I did. I remember there was this guy Steve Corin and um 
Yeah, I remember feeling like, oh my God, there's all these writers and I have characters, but I don't know how to do this. And I felt frustrated yeah. and I would go home and cry when I first started. And I felt like all oh, these groundlings, people are typing and laughing. And, and I felt <laughs> really like I am in over my head. The typing and laughing, that'll get you every time. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so basically, I remember um, I had my characters from my show and I remember there was this writer Steve Corin yeah. and I showed him I go I have this character I do in my show and I showed him a picture and he was like well tell me what you do in your show and and I go well I come on and I go like this then I do this then I do this and he we just typed up the first sketch together and that was it and he buoyed it with a few more jokes and which character was that Mary Catherine Gallagher oh, that's and that's that. the first one I got on and that was the first one where people were like oh my god where I really fought to get that on and, and um, you know and people really responded and oh, that's so great. so then I really realized, even though there were many writers, I thought if you can just get find two or three that you can collaborate with, that's all you need. Right, right, right. But I think initially I thought, oh, we should all be working together all the time, but that's not the way it works. What if is you have it? one person you can work together, it's great. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, well, you can a, do everything by yourself. But that's hard. But there are people, it seems that a lot of those relationships with those writers like have really carried throughout people's careers, mm-hmm. like with Adam and, uh, and his guy. Yeah. And uh, and McKay and uh, Will McKay and Will Tim Hurley he went to um, NYU also with us at the same time but he was a, he was in law school mm-hmm. and he would write Adam jokes and then Adam got him hired on um, on wow. SNL but Tim was a lawyer that's wild or, you know now you've had like you've had a lot of like seasons of sitcoms that didn't go the full run oh yeah. Does, is that heartbreaking on some level? I mean, you know what? For me, it's not that heartbreaking because yeah. the schedules are grueling. It's so different. But Single Cat camera. And Kim, sh- how much did you have to do with Cat and Kim? I, I we mean, did like eighteen episodes, and it it was fourteen hours a day. So the hours are not family friendly. It's tough. But were you if part you of the little... development of that show? No, no, you just cast. Yeah, just yeah. cast. Yeah, and that's the same with the other ones too. Just cast. I did cracking up with Mike White. I was just casting that. That was so fun. We did like 13, but I think only two or three aired. I've done like, I did a pilot that never aired. So usually I have not been so upset when they're canceled. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> because I get, I get like, it's hot. It's, uh, I love, because for me, it's all about the balance between family, being sure. with the kids and f- work with family. Yeah. So I love when I don't, when I'm kind of Is freed your, up from that again. You wrote a children's book. Is that true? Yeah, I wrote a t- Tilly the Trickster. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be a thing? No, you know what? I really just did it to challenge myself. I just wanted to uh, write something that was my own and just, and I like that my kids saw me writing a book because they were like, I want to write a book. So I really just did it just for myself and it was really fun and and I really, you know, it's it's so much harder to write for little kids. It's so different than what I do Yeah, because what they think is funny is so innocent and sweet. So it was different and I really would read it to Stella and Nolan's little friends when they came over and see what they thought was funny. So it was so fun. So I feel really proud of myself that I did that and followed it through. And I went on a book tour, which you're going to be doing. I know. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. It's a lot of work though. The book thing is like, I mean, I've done, book tours are, they can go either way. Did you find yourself showing up places with 12 people or you probably draw a good crowd no matter what? They they mostly come up because they want to hear all about SNL. So it was like a nice crowd. I enjoyed it. But um, did you read from your children's book? I would sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I would. And sometimes there'd be little, we would just do readings for little kids and families. Oh, you had kids? It depends. Come to to the reading? My kids didn't come. Yeah, we would have little kids come. And did the book sell? Did it do all right? It did. It did really well. It did did well. So So, I'm so pleased with it. But you're going to write another one, aren't you? Maybe. I don't know. Is it a character that can keep going, Tilly? I I don't know. I haven't even thought about it beyond one book, honestly, Mark. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. So what? So okay. So now here we are. 
uh, at the end of the journey that we've talked about. So you're going to go do up all night, and then what else is coming up? Are you gonna I'm going to go do Enlightened day? on HBO. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm writing a movie for Disney. You are writing a Me movie? Me and my old comedy partner, Rob Muir, and Bob Destry pitched a movie to Disney. It's about the social world of motherhood, so I have to start writing that. What and, does that um, mean, the social world? Oh, well, the, it's kind of about... At the park and... You know, the, uh, no, not really the park. It's about these moms that go on this road trip with their kids together a little short trip and not uh, i just louise wanted to, no Chen. not thelma <laughs> louise i just like funny women and i wanted to yeah. think of projects for lots of funny women. like who would you think in those, oh my uh, god there's so many i i love all the women out there you know yeah yeah there's so many strong women on tv now who have you worked movies. with that you really like lately my uh you know i love Kristen Wiig. You Are know. you friends with them? With uh, Kristen, anyways? Yeah, Kristen, I don't know as well because she wasn't part of my right. group. But I, when I hosted the show, I got to. But but I've never socialized with her or anything. But I'm I'm a huge fan of hers. I think she's so talented. I loved Bridesmaids. It's wild, right? Oh my god! It was. I felt like it was my movie. Yeah. I I just felt so excited, and I mean, I think so many women felt that way because it was just. It was so well done, and I, I'm just so... It was a rare thing to see, you know, that many women acting that over the top and amazingly funny. It was fantastic. It was great. And Melissa McCarthy, I've never met her. Oh, she was... Yes. You don't just, know her? I feel like you guys No, she along. was groundling. She knew Maya and Kristen and Emily Spivey, who created Up All Night. They were all groundlings together. Mm-hmm. But, um... That yeah. scene where she shits in the street is oh one of the God. best things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and she played that so well. She's so funny. <laughs> But just, yeah, it's so exciting uh, to see all these women all over the place. Oh, it sounds like everything's going good still. Thanks, That's Mark. a great thing. Thanks. I'm really excited to do Enlightened. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Is it great? It's fantastic. Because Dern is so insane and She's great. so great. And what Mike White does with a half an hour is like... How many have no there been else. so far? I should get I on it. There are 12 that have aired, 10 or 12. And they picked it up and it's yeah, going to keep going? Yeah, they picked it up, yeah. What, what, is, what is the, um, the angle? What, what's it about? Uh, enlightened. It's she's about a woman who has a breakdown. She works at this big company and she has a breakdown. She goes to rehab and has, you know, a spiritual experience and then has to come back to her life to kind of figure out how to live with having this experience and having change and kind of confronting her mother and going back to work with the changes that she's made huh. internally. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So in terms of like... You yeah, know, I bet you would like it. Yeah, I'm sure I would. Yeah. Like literally though, I, I don't know why. I end up watching, you know, just by default, the cooking channel all the time. You do? The Food Network. Yeah, Restaurant Impossible and Chopped and, and Iron Chef. I'm just, that's what I do. Oh my God, I love it. Are you a cook? I can. Yeah. I don't know if it's some manifestation of an eating disorder or, or just that I always wanted to, I kind of wanted to be a chef of some kind at some other point in my life. And I like watching food being made. And also I grew up with a mother who was, you know, like kind of anorexic. So I, there was not a lot of cooking in the house. So, so there's something warm and comforting about just looking at food. Well, you look fantastic. Well, that's all I was looking for. <laughs> So that must have been so. So it really affected you, huh? Because you don't hear many. So you still struggle with the eating stuff, dude. I mean, dude, I'm sorry. It's the bane of my existence. Uh, I mean, like if I were to think of any that the that is my core problem. Is that right, Mike? Outside, you know, the drugs or whatever, and the alcohol at different points in my life. But the thing that is the deepest is this idea that if I'm fat, uh, I will not be loved. And uh, and and then you know it's it's a real slippery slope in terms of you know kind of that um, body dysmorphia where like thinking you know am I fat or you know and that my default is like if I'm feeling shitty it's like oh my it's because I'm fat like and uh, yeah it's all my mother and you know and and I act like I like her now so it's good. (laughs) 
Wow. So was she just like very self-centered or she just, do you mind she, me asking? I like no. hearing about your parents. She's a, I just was down there. She just is, you know, she's a, a woman that has you know, been a functional eating disorder person my entire life. Like she built, her life is built around uh, exercise and, and what she's going to put into her body to never, you know, get over 116 pounds. God. So she's just still in it and still living that way, huh? Oh, yeah. Man. So it's interesting because I would see things like a daughter would be so affected by that, but, but the, her son, you were really affected by seeing her like that all the time, huh? Well, it wasn't seeing her. It was literally the fact that, you know, she was, uh, she had a deep fear of fat for herself. Uh, she had a deep, uh, almost like, I don't know what you would call it, but like seeing, you know, people who were heavy, you know, made her feel, you know, uneasy. And like the fact that I was kind of a chunky kid, because she was fat when she was a kid. So that yeah. was what created this monster inside of her. But seeing me a little chunky, just the idea that I would go through whatever she went through was like, oh no, it's happening to him. Oh, and uh, so it was really kind of that. It was all about that. Man. And like to, like last night, I plowed through a pint of ice cream and I, I'm barely keeping it together today. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> well, no, Did you I'm wake up feeling like, Ugh. oh, I'm an asshole. What the fuck is oh. wrong with me? And uh, yeah. So yeah, that goes on. I'm a little better with it. You know, just be I, gentle on yourself. That's I hear you know that's the I mean? way to yeah. yeah it's yeah, like what? really, who cares? You know what I mean? So you did that. Just <sighs> it felt great. I would do it yeah, now. Who cares? So yeah, Dude, I'm trying like, to frame it that way. Just be gentle on yourself. Because yeah. then I feel like when you're hard on yourself, then it's oh yeah, yeah. just you look fantastic. Okay. you know, and you're, right. you're doing so great. Oh, I don't want to fuck on. it up. Yeah, yeah. I'm on your show. Enjoying. I'm it. so excited to be here. But I, I like hearing you talk about that stuff. It's interesting because you don't. Yeah, it's I, my fear of, of talking about it is that like, does it ever stop? You know, like you go through these cycles of like, like I think I had a breakthrough, and then a month later I'm like, oh, I didn't. I'm back where I was. Like there are these cycles that you start to notice in your life yeah. when you have a certain way of thinking, or the and I, I I hate acknowledging that. I hate knowing that like it's never over. Like you know, what is it going to take for it to be really over and not just you're just on the the uh, the upswing of a cycle and then all of a sudden you're back where you were oh. mentally and emotionally well do you restrict yourself do you deprive yourself like do you try to have th certain things you can eat or can't eat and then feel well, no, like I go on, cheating i or... go on diets you, you know, do kind of huh i have i was yeah. just on that uh slow carb thing you know for three months and I, I and i'd gotten a little heavy so i took off like 12 pounds and then sort of leveled off but then like then you get into that sort of like yeah but i'm but, but life is life and there's only a few pleasures and in, in sitting at home and eating ice cream is one of them yeah, that's okay. i should be able to do that but then it's sort of like what's wrong with it for breakfast you know and then it's you're into something else <laughs> well it's like it, it sounds like it sounds like you you get mad that you're depriving yourself so then you act out sure right yeah. i don't know yeah. maybe just yeah, yeah go easy on yourself and i don't know i don't did think you, there's any did you ever meet like did you ever work with diane keaton or jack nicholson no but i just read her book i loved it did you ever meet her no i've never met her how about jack nicholson jack nicholson came to snl when i was there but i, I didn't i didn't meet him he was just hanging out with lauren i would have loved to but it was just i know I would love to meet him. There's still people at he, your level where you, you don't feel like you can, you know, say, hey, what's going on? I would have liked to. I forget. I just think it was like one of those like big shows. It was like a Christmas show or something. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. there were just people around him. But yeah, no, but most, but we met so many great people. So it was who'd you exciting. Like if you had a, like, and I guess sort of a hackneyed question, but who who would you really want to work with that you haven't, 
uh, like you know what would be a dream to I have to say just from reading Diane Keaton's book I loved it yeah. it was she she just was really honest and funny and sweet and I loved it I feel like she she's the one that would come to mind right now oh that'd be yeah. amazing huh yeah but I feel like I feel so lucky to have worked with all these girls that I've worked with like yeah yeah Anna and Amy Poehler and Kristen so and Maya and there's just so many wonderful strong women and I feel so glad you've been a part of that and yeah you know, well yeah. I'm glad you came by Thank you, Mark. Do you need anything? Do you grind your own coffee at home? I do. I did this morning, actually. You grind it? Yeah. I'm going to give you some. You are? Thank yeah, I'll you. I'll give you some WTF coffee. Okay. And I'm going to give you one of those fancy mugs, too. Thank you, Mark. It's really fun to be here. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Bow, 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 bow. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <that's, laughs> like it's going to happen. Yeah, okay. So let's just do that. Cue music. That's it. The amazing Molly Shannon, a great comic performer and just a sweetheart. What a great talk. Really enjoyed that. Again, folks, tomorrow night, Comedy Attic in Bloomington, Indiana. Go to WTFPod.com for everything you need. And oh, God, my head. And, uh, you know, kick in a few shekels, pick up an app, uh, get on the mailing list, you know, do the stuff. Look, do, what, do what you need to do there. Comment on shit. Try to be nice to the women, will you? Oh, with their string of idiots over there that just want to shit on girls. How, how is that on my website at WTFPod.com? I don't fucking... I'm now I'm all scrambled and... Should have eaten more than cookies. That's not... Those aren't... That's not a meal. Cookies not a meal. Oh, man.